Welcome to the AI Learners Lounge. I'm your host, Cambria, and this is a podcast where AI meets learning and development. From exploring how AI facilitates individual learning to understanding its integration into broader organizational strategies, we tackle it all. Every episode brings fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and actionable advice for those looking to weave AI into the fabric of the modern learning experiences. Join me as we navigate the intersection of technology and human potential right here on the AI Learner Lounge. Hello, and welcome back to episode 26 of the AI Learner Lounge podcast, where we have a very special guest joining us today, Wambui Kangu. Now, Wambui is a technical curriculum developer, and I came across some of her work with AI on recently on LinkedIn. So I was really intrigued by some of the visual creativity work she was doing and how it connected with learning and development. So welcome, Wambui. It's really great to have you here on the podcast. Before we get started, can you share a little bit about yourself with the audience? Yes. Hi. Hi, Canberra. I'm excited to be here. And thanks uh, for the opportunity. My name is Wamboy. Sounds difficult, but it is pronounced as it's spelled. Uh, first and foremost, I am a veteran. I served in the U.S. Navy for 10 years, and that was one of the most exciting jobs I've had. Uh, once I got out, I went to pursue my undergrad, and I actually did an undergrad in photography. <laughs> my grandmother used to ask me, you're going to learn how to press that button? But there's more to photography than that. And then as I got did that, I pursued a business for photography for a couple of years. And then I decided I want to go to corporate America, came back in and I did, um, I worked with a property preservation company. Now that looking back, I was doing training. I just didn't know that I was an L&D professional. I didn't follow any of the learning design theories. I didn't, there was no structure into all that consideration what goes into LD. And then I joined a very prominent company that does cloud services. And that's where I actually got the actual title of a technical curriculum developer. So I've been doing that what three years. The technical role um, as a curriculum developer was it's three years now. Well, thank you. And I'm really excited to have you here. So just to start off, can you share a little bit about your journey into the world of AI and really what you're doing with it, what sparked your interest and how you got started, especially with learning and development? Sure. Interesting you would ask that because I just came to realize I'm an early adopter, which took me by surprise. I remember in in the cloud services company I worked for, we had an ID that would bring us, you know, up to date with tech. And I used to always wonder, where does he get the time? But I remember at one point he mentioned ChatGPT, but again, I just brushed it off because I'm not one to jump onto hypes as they're happening. I wait until later. But in June of 2023, I was just trying to find a new opportunity. And most of the opportunities I would find, they were asking for a portfolio. Never had one, never needed one. And I came to realize pretty fast in L&D, you do actually need a portfolio. So I remember that conversation with the other ID and I said, what is this ChatGPT? And that's how my curiosity started. I got in there, asked it a couple of questions that I know the answer. And that's how we started 
the AI journey um, in June of 2023. Then in July, I took some courses to understand what's prompting, how do you do it, and have not stopped since then. Yeah, I think with the portfolio, that's something in learning and development we overlook a lot. And it's hard when you're working for a company to try to build that because oftentimes you can't share those. So that's exactly. really interesting. Were you yeah. able to use AI to help build that? I was, yes. I actually gave it a topic that I'm well-versed with. I, what I do, I do what's called an outline prompt. I gave it uh, specific bullet points and I asked it to expand them as an outline. And I was very impressed with what it gave me because it's exactly what I was expecting. The good things, um, that first experience, there was no hallucination. So later when I learned about hallucinations, I now started going back to my work to make sure that indeed there was no hallucination. And it turns out it actually had not hallucinated then. So my first experience was testing it with a very uh, well-known subject that I'm well-versed with, that I can talk about even in my sleep. And ChatGPT did a pretty good job. So one of the, on my portfolio, one of those courses was actually ChatGPT gave me the outline. And of course, I put in my human touch to give it the um, the love that it needed from a human. Yeah, I think that's a great point about starting with something you're well-versed in. Because those hallucinations, they can really sneak up on you if you don't know the material very well. So that's where I think it won't replace us, but it's always going to be a great companion and complement to our skills and abilities. Absolutely. And that's one thing we have to be careful about when you're interacting with the AI. Question the output that you're getting, validate it because it will give you an answer. It's not going to say, I don't know. It will give you an answer, but is it valid? Is it true? Is it right? So validate. Yeah, that validating is so important. Now, one of the things that uh, I like when I see your content on LinkedIn is a lot of the AI generated images and different visuals that you've been working with. So I was really curious to see how you've been using those either in learning and development or other things professionally. Yeah. Um, so for me, with the generated images, at first it was just fun. And then I started using them to accompany my LinkedIn posts. So I've continued the journey of researching in AI. I, I think I live in brief AI at this point. And the more I get into it, the more I learn about it. So I started curating my images because when I try to find one that would represent what I'm trying to convey in my message on the post, I couldn't find one that felt right. The interesting thing about that is I actually get the idea of my image after I've written my post. The morning off when I'm trying to post is when I'm like, I think this is the image that will go with it. And then I'll just get in there and try to generate the image that I want. Most times, surprisingly, it takes two tries. And sometimes it can take up to five times to actually get the right image. And because um, sometimes I'll talk about very complex um, topics. And when I try to think about as a, professional working from home, one of them was a professional working from home. There are all these distractions, right? I couldn't find a picture that could depict that. So I had created one. And I know that picture got quite a lot of um, reviews and comments because it depicted exactly all the distractions that you can have at home while you're working. So I haven't really used them in any of my courses. I just use them as accompaniments to my posts on LinkedIn. 
that's a really great starting point, just doing something personally that you're comfortable with and then seeing how it could expand maybe the learners in the future. And I like that you're using it just so versatilely because it is so hard to find some of the stock images that effectively convey what you want to represent. And it, when we are looking at it in our coursework or other things that are going to be presented to learners, that connection really needs to resonate with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're going to get there. Um, the AI image generators are still have a lot of work to do. Um, they'll definitely give you sometimes an image because I definitely 198% of the time I create an image that has an, a, a human, right? So I'll find sometimes they have six fingers, sometimes they have three legs. Mm -hmm. So we still have a long way to go, but I think we're at a good starting point. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a few of the challenges with AI images, especially with the fingers and toes. And humans, I think, are probably one of the more harder ones and the words. But I was curious to know if you have any strategies for addressing some of those challenges and how you work around them. It all comes down to the prompt. So I retry, I try and reprompt, um, structure the prompt uh, differently. I give it uh, a different instruction. And sometimes some of those things are very easy to um, edit. So I can edit that in Photoshop or any other editing tool that I want to use at the time. But I find that if you reprompt it and now you start telling it anatomically correct, you start giving it very specific information in the prompt, it gets better. I can definitely tell you I haven't received any image in the last maybe five months that is anatomically incorrect, where they are having extra limbs or extra fingers or their facial expression is off because I've now mastered, well, I haven't mastered it because it's always a trick every day. I have now gotten to a point where I know what words to use and how to structure my prompt. And what tools are you using most often for this? Uh, I mainly use DALI. I've realized DALI tends to be more accurate with um, cartoons because I prefer to create cartoon animation style mm -hmm. images. Um, I do use Midjourney if I want a realistic, like a photorealistic image. I tend to use Midjourney for that because it gives a better um, output compared to Dali. Yeah. And the other challenge I've encountered is bias. And I think mm -hmm. that's something I should mention because it is real and it's true. I will find there are challenges in terms of bias. So I have to be also be very specific with the features or characteristics that I want in that image. Yeah, I think the bias in images, I think, is something we're still seeing a lot, even as the tools are improving. I think yes. A while back, it was on social media, there is this one shared that I remember where they asked someone to create um, representative images of someone from a specific town. So I think it was Iceland, and then it was, everyone started trying it. So I tried it for my town here in Montesano, and it would give me nothing other than a young white male. Even when you prompted asking for, try to give me some diversity, reflect the actual population, it, it would do it over and over. And I think I had 10 images of the same guy. <laughs> At least you got some consistent character. <laughs> yes, it is very biased. So you have to be, for me, because you've seen my work, I specify either African, because I am Kenyan, 
or African-American if I want to find something other than um, what the model has been trained on. That's a great point that it's our prompts that are going to guide that because we can overcome some of that bias just by mitigating it and telling it what to do instead of just letting it pick for itself. Yes. And the more you tell it that, it's also learning. You're also kind of training that model. There are other genders, races that you can consider. So, yeah. yeah. So when you're working with AI tools, especially images, we talked a little bit about how we can mitigate the bias through our prompts. What other prompt strategies could you share with our audience? Uh, first things first, AI cannot read your mind. <laughs> I think that's the biggest challenge I see with most people getting frustrated. You will have to be very specific with your prompt. Think it through first and then prompt it. If it doesn't give you the result you wanted, you can ask it, how can I prompt you to get X, Y, and Z? Now ChatGPT has this uh, option where I can talk using my microphone. I love it because sometimes I, I think it, but I can't write it down. And when I talk to it, we tend to have a conversation back and forth until it gives me a prompt that I know represents at least most of the most important things I want from it. And then from there, I go adjusting it to my liking. Uh, I said I'm Kenyan, so I tend to do a lot of um, Ankara, which is an African pattern for fabric. So I tend to give it directions specific to color, to shapes, um, to how I want it to look. So the trick is it cannot read your mind. Be specific. Talk to it like you would talk to me. Don't, I can't read your mind. So if you have something to say, use your words. So for AI, use your words and prompt it right. The AI collaboration piece, I think, and that back and forth is really so important. We see a lot about the mega prompts out there and putting those all together, but really it's just a conversation sometimes that you need to have. Yes. I call ChatGPT chatty because we definitely <laughs> chat a little bit. <laughs> when, they're not, when it's not giving me what I want, I always ask what's going on. I mean, is there anything I need to say better? Is there anything I need to clarify? So yeah, it, it, it's just a conversation and just definitely trying to give the right prompt and be very explicit and detailed in what you want. Oh, it's a lot like human collaboration too, just having that feedback that you're giving it and not too far from what we do with our learners. So yes, helpful to know for those getting started that you don't have to be afraid about doing it wrong or having the perfect prompt is to get out there and try and start the conversation. Yeah. And sometimes it's just something simple. You don't have to. So what I'm seeing the trend is a lot of people are putting out long prompts, right? Start small, simple sentences. Um, I would tell it, hey, I'm thinking about creating a course about cybersecurity. What are the biggest challenges in cybersecurity? Done. It will start prompting. And then with that, I also start getting ideas on where I want to go. Cybersecurity is a pretty broad subject, right? What do I want to hone in? I want, do I want to talk about MFA, multiple factor authentication? Do I want to talk about protecting your passwords? Do I want to talk about pins? Do I, like it's a whole big bucket full of goodies. 
but I don't want the whole bucket. So it gives me ideas and I'm like, oh, that's what I want. Let's talk about this. Let's further expound on this. And slowly you start now getting smaller portions of it out so it can give you everything. And finally, when I get what I want, I'll tell it now, based on the above prompts, summarize it in this many words. And it will give me exactly what I've asked for. And if sometimes I have to tweak it, obviously. Uh, and sometimes it works out great, but I still like to put my human touch in it. <laughs> yeah, that human touch piece is so important. But yes. I think with AI and that just that brainstorming piece is so helpful. And being able to share our learning objectives with it. And then it can tailor the outputs to that because we're giving it that context it needs. Absolutely. So with AI and learning and development, what role do you see with the visual creativity aspect of that in coming years? What do you think the future holds for that? It is going to play a key role in content enhancement for sure. Uh, We've talked about not finding sometimes the right stock images and then you tend to settle for something close enough. So I think it will definitely open that door and it's going to be a very big landscape that you will also find that you're not using the same stock images as another company. Um, Companies will probably start branding and creating their own images, just like we've seen with other um, LMS companies, right? You will be able to have a broader spectrum of choices. Um, I think it also improve um, optimization of images and the automation of creating of these visuals, right? Instead of me spending hours scouring stock images to find the right one, I can get in there in an image generator, tell it exactly what I'm trying to do, and then go from there. So I think it is definitely going to be a game changer. And and some of the things I think about is like scenario-based. The challenge I would see in that is um, at the moment, it's very hard to get a consistent character. You can but it's, you have to prompt it in a certain way. And you may find the character that you wanted is facing backwards and you wanted to face left. So you actually have to tell the image generator, I need this character to face left. So there's still a challenge in that, but I think with time, as we are growing, as we're interacting with AI, we're also getting better at prompting. We're starting to understand what works, what doesn't work. So I believe there will be definitely a big evolution in content enhancement in the sense of images that we can have, creating even our own personal images, just like I do. Like my images, I can go and create a storybook for a child, right? I can create a storybook or something that resonates with me with some of the images that I have used. Um, I think also the AI algorithms will be a game changer in um, tailored online content to fit a specific group and specific L&D needs. So I think that's, I'm excited to see what happens in that, in that aspect of visuals for L&D. Yeah, that consistency piece. I think once we get that nailed down and we can have those consistent images, I think that's where we're really going to see it take off for learning and development and other ones too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear your thoughts on that. So 
Well, I'm curious to know what advice would you give to learning and development professionals who are just getting started exploring with AI? Simple. Start with curiosity, right? Dive in, be very inquisitive, be skeptical too because of hallucinations, but don't stop there. Adopt a healthy kind of skepticism. Um, Analyze the outputs that you get and then ask yourself, are they accurate or is AI misleading me with hallucinations, right? Just remember too, what you get, you have to tweak it constantly, adjust it. That's part of the process. Um, So the blend of curiosity and critical thinking, which AI can't critically think, definitely will enhance the learning experience for anybody that's trying to learn AI. But be curious. That's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So Before we wrap up here, can you share what's one thing that you hope our listeners will take away from this conversation and apply in their own AI journey? I hope they are not put off by the buzz. Um, There's a lot of talk out there. There's everybody talking about being a prompt engineer. And I don't turn that down because I will pursue that too. (laughs) But I think do it for yourself, right? Step out of the box, experience it for yourself, and then you can make an educated assumption or educated decision. This is not for me or this is for me to some extent. Um, AI is here to stay. Uh, I think just like we saw the whole internet wave come in at one point in our lives, I think this is going to be here for a while because we've been interacting with AI. We just never called it that when we talk about voice assistants and even our GPS on our phones or, you know, we've been using it. It's just we didn't think of it as AI at that point. So I would hope they would definitely get in there and get curious and just play around. ChatGPT has the free version. Yeah, their training model is not updated since January of 2022, I believe. But you can still get in there and use something you already know, right? Uh, one of the examples I also tested, and I'm going on another tangent, is I I have an American child. My child was born here. I'm Kenyan, so I still eat traditional Kenyan dishes. So I asked ChatGPT to create for me a menu for a two-and-a-half-year-old toddler, Kenyan-American. And I was blown away when it gave me all our traditional dishes from Kenya and incorporated it with American dishes, and I was blown away. So get in there. Ask it something simple. Create me a menu plan. I have two items in my fridge. What can I make with it? Just start there. Thank you. That's really great advice. So where can our listeners look about your work and connect with you online? So right now, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's my main platform. My personal social medias, I'm still <laughs> trying to get in there because there's a lot of pressure. But my main platform right now is LinkedIn, Wamboikomo, and that's W-A-M-B-U-I. Last name is K-U-N-G-U. And they'll find my posts out there. They can ask for connect or follow and uh, hope to connect with more L&D professionals. And if I can contribute to the AI conversation in LND, I would be more than happy to. Hey, thank you. And I really love seeing your stuff on LinkedIn. So I hope everyone will check that out. And thank you so much for joining me. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the AI Learner Lounge podcast. Join us next Tuesday for another episode.